Hey, what's up, everybody? You guys having a good time so far? Okay, can we put our hands together for Mark Cleary, Josh, Amy. I see Pam in the back and the art team. These guys are amazing. How many of you would like to have a great launch day? Lots of people. How many of you need a lot of money to do that? Well, you're in the right place today. We're going to, it's my, uh, really my joy and honor to be able to uh, welcome you to our launch large, stay strong uh, app session, because it's one thing to launch large. It's another thing to stay strong. And uh, so we're going to try to put those two thoughts together today. And uh, but we're so honored uh, to be here with you. I know I can speak on behalf of everyone uh, that's here on the panel. But man, let's just take a moment and just thank God for Pastor Greg Surratt, Dino Rizzo, Chris Hodges, this entire lead team that that has shared the resources, the strategies really created space for us to do what God has called us to do. I mean, it's just a few years ago, Karen and I were sitting in those seats, and we're trying to figure this church planting thing out. So many questions, right? I mean, you're, you're afraid, you're nervous. I remember the night before we launched, it was in September 2014, we're a little over four years old, and I just looked at her, I said, I'm sorry, I, I want to I apologize to you for what we, I've done to our family we left a great job. We had money. I'm thinking of all these things that could go wrong the next day. Uh, we could live with my brother. And if you know my brother, you know I was desperate at that point. And I was trying to think of all these things. The next day, let me just t talk to you about the faithfulness of God for a moment. We had worked hard. We had run the play. We had prayed. And on the first day, we had 603 people show up to, to our service. So, and, and that's not even the greatest launch ever. I mean, there, there's, there's been many larger, maybe some of these guys were even larger, but we want to share some secrets, some strategies freely that are going to help you really have a great launch day. Ha stay strong post-launch so you can uh, do what God has called you to do. Let me introduce my panel to you, our panel today. We've got some very prestigious members here. On my left, your right, we have Mr. Brad Hampton. Uh, he is from SoCo Church, right? And he can explain to you what that means because I do not know it, but I'm sure it's really cool. And he is in Northwest Arkansas, Bentonville, Arkansas. He's incredible. He's going to share some great thoughts. We've got Travis here, Jones, right? Travis Jones, he is uh, the pastor of, tell me the name of your church again. Motivation Church in Richmond, Virginia, just killing it there. Already in his own building. How old? How many years old are you guys? Year and a half old and already in his own building. He's going to be able to encourage and inspire you as well. And we've got Mr. Brian Cromer here from Queens City Church or Queen City Church. Queen City Church. He's got like 5,000 people in his church already. He launched last month and he is absolutely, absolutely killing it. Brian's going to talk to us first. Brian, talk to us a little bit about how you kind of went about recruiting your team and, and how to recruit strong and how to really maintain that momentum. Yeah, I mean, because truthfully, even when you see the name of this session, Launch Large and Stay Strong, I think most of the time we think butts and seats in church, right? Um, but I think equally important to that is launching large with a large like culture, and a strong team. I think that is equally as important as just butts and seat because that's the really the foundation that you can build on so strong. And uh, our story is that we're not from Cincinnati. We've never ministered in Cincinnati. My wife's not from Cincinnati. And literally God told us to go there. And so we moved there knowing one couple and we didn't even know if they would come to our church. And, uh, and so for us, you know, we knew that we had to really hit the ground running, building the strongest team. And ARC, by the way, if you want to launch a great church, go through ARC. Um, they are phenomenal. Their resume speaks for themselves, but not just their results, but their relationship that they give you. Um, ARC is phenomenal. And so we knew that from a logistical standpoint, building a, lar a, a, a strong, healthy, unified I mean, no, the unity is a big deal. Unity, one Psalm 133, unity commands a blessing. And so for us, we knew we wanted to have a unified launch team. And so practically speaking, it's like, how do you do that? So one thing that we tried to do is we tried to create three different on-ramps for building our launch team. And the first was just like a, 
a one-on-one way. Basically, it was coffee on me. Hey, if you want to hang out, have coffee. I want to hear your story. I always made sure I grabbed the conversation. I just heard their story. It wasn't about what they could do for me. It wasn't what like I was recruiting them. It was just, I care about you before I want anything from you. And I just want to hear your story. And then once, literally every time they shared their story, they wanted to hear my story. And so then we would share our story. And that was kind of like the director's cut. Like you could get the full story of why Cincinnati, why like the dream that was in our heart. And so we had that. Then we would have what we call dinner parties. And dinner parties, we just did once. Um, we, did, we did once a week on Friday nights and we would open up our home. That's kind of who we are. It's my wife right here and some people on our team uh, that are here in the, in the room. And we're just relational people. Like we just hang. Like we can hang all night. Like we can just hang, just talk. And so that's what we did. And we never talked about church. We just fed people. And it was kind of like this medium on-ramp for people to come and be able to, to hear about our church or meet some of our people. And it was real low-key. And, and, and our team knew that they could invite anybody to those dinner parties. And then the last thing we did is kind of what art teaches you. And it's those big interest meetings. And it's where you schedule those out and you have those at somewhere and you do a really bit. And that was kind of our large on-ramp. Um, and so we called them startup parties because we just thought that sounded a whole lot more fun. Um, and so, and we would just invite everybody that we met and then we would follow up with them and kind of do the same thing. And then, then three weeks later, we would do the same thing. So that was kind of a, on a, I, I love the practical side of it. Um, but, you know, building a team is, is so crucial and this is something that I just felt God speak to me now. And, and I, love, I love what Pastor Chris says. He says, if, if, if my bullet fits your gun, shoot it. And um, the, one of the first things I know that God spoke to me in this church planning process is don't ask anybody to go with you. Now, we've all been doing this long enough to know that we cannot do it by ourselves, right? Amen? There is no superheroes in Christianity. And so I was very confused and I, I really challenged God. I said, God, like I really pushed back. I, I, I'm trained. I know that I cannot do this by myself, God. And I felt like he put his dad heavenly finger in my face and said, did I put that dream in your heart or did you put that dream in your heart? And I know, I know I've done the hard work. I know that God put this dream in my heart. I don't have to prove anything. Like there's, there's no insecurity itch that's getting scratched at all by doing this church. At the end of the day, I'm doing this because I know that God's told me to and success is obedience, not results. And so I know that God's called. So I said, God, I know, I know it was you. And so he said, so do you not believe I will provide everything, including everybody and every dollar that you need to put what I, to, to provide what I, what I put in your heart, not what you put in there? I said, yes, sir. He said, don't, invite, don't, don't ask anybody to go. Don't put relational pressure on anybody to go. And so here's what he, I felt like he told me to do. Pastor people before you pastor people and teach them to do what you did. Pray hear God and do what he tells you to do. And so there's a room, there's a, there's a couple rows of people right here that did that process and God called them and they're still hanging out with me and, uh, and, we're, and we're, we're building the kingdom in Cincinnati there. So I just want to, here's a, here's the bottom line. I want to encourage you and I'll end with this. If God's called you, he will provide everything, including everybody that you need to accomplish what he put in your heart. Okay. Yeah. So good. Brian, I want you to unpack that thought just a little bit. I'd never heard anybody say that, that God said, don't take anybody. Because, you know, so many times, you know, you hear, hey, I'm taking 10, 15, 20 people. Uh, I'm taking half our church to go with us. Uh, Pastor and I, you know, had a talk about that. And, and sometimes God will do that. But talk to me about maybe the practical ways or the thoughts you had behind that, uh, bringing in momentum from the outside versus real grassroots momentum there in your city. Yeah. And so kind of how that practically looked for us is that when, when it came to, it's just, I was not going to manipulate people to come. I wasn't going to manipulate people to leave somewhere or to, you know, I, I was a part of some great churches and I didn't want them to leave because those were my sending churches. And I wanted to make sure that, that I kept those relationships strong. And so at, at the end of the day, it's, uh, 
you know, because what it takes to get somebody to go with you is what it's going to take to keep them with you. And so ultimately, I just wanted to make sure that, that we just led and pastored people well. And so what I felt like when I pushed back on God, he said, I'm not saying don't talk to people, but when I put people on your heart, unapologetically ask them to pray and talk to me about it. Mm. Now, don't manipulate that and don't throw down God cards. Don't say God said this in the name of just, okay, I'm going to be a senior pastor. So I know if I say that people will listen. No, like in the integrity of your heart, when you know that God told you to ask somebody to pray about coming, do it. But then when I stir up things inside of other people, recognize it, steward that, and be able to make sure that you tell them like, hey, the same thing. Don't make an emotional decision. Pray about it. And whatever I can do to help you, do it. So if they were from another church, the first thing I would say is like, before you talk to me, talk to God and talk to your pastor. Don't talk to me until you've done those two things. Mm, And so one of the things that I would give people as a filter to pray through is for you to go, it's got to be yes to one of these three things. You either got to be called to the purpose of church planting, meaning that there's something inside of you that pioneering a brand new life-giving local church fires you up. Some people, it makes them want to crawl under a table in the fetal position. (laughs) But for some of you, it's like, man, just thinking about that. Like you look around, you see Highlands, and it's like, man, this is amazing. But what if I could have been in Mountain Brook High School when it started? And now I get to see where it is today. Like maybe God's called you to the purpose of church planning. Maybe God's called you to the person. The, 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 literally I'm called to that man or to that family, or I'm called, you know, I'm called to this group of people. I want to do life and ministry with this person, or you're called to the place. I'm called to that city. I'm called to that area of the country. I'm called to the Midwest. I'm called to Cincinnati. You know, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm called to my hometown, whatever for, for it to be a yes. It had to be yes to one of those three, at least if it wasn't yes to one of those three, it's not God. If it's two out of the three, now we're talking. If it's three out of the three, you are overthinking this thing. Pack your bags. Let's go plant a church together. So that's practically some stuff that we did. So much wisdom there. So good. How many of you are thinking about, you're you're like parachuting into a place that you know no one. Anybody in here? And that's that's amazing. Yeah, you're going to do great. Thank you for just allowing us or even considering uh, to have Art come alongside you. What, what an honor to be able to serve the vision God's placed in your heart. Uh, you guys are going to do an amazing job. Brad, this guy here, Brad, you, you have been, uh, you know, I always hear about Brad, Brad, Brad. I mean, it's like Brad. It's like, like who, like who, who is this guy? Yeah. And uh, so we've, um, we've heard about your marketing expertise and if you will just the the strategies the things because we got to get people to the church on day one right I mean it's like we've got to make some noise we've got to let them know we're here right because we got the greatest message in the world to share with them and um, that you took from Pastor Chris Hodges <laughs> but how do you get them there Brad talk to us a little bit about you know the keys to launching large growing fast First of all, I think what Brian just said was amazing. Also, I think it's really amazing how passionate you said it. And, uh, but also I feel like everything you just said was a way to recruit all these people to your church in here. So <laughs> that's just genius, man. That was so good. <laughs> Some of you are like, you know what? I'm just going to go be with Brian. So, and actually I am too. So I can't wait. We're going to build a great church together. Um, uh, yeah, so it's an honor to be in here. So excited for all of you. Uh, I know many of you from just some marketing calls that I love to do. Uh, my background is not in ministry, it's in marketing. Um, and so when God called me to the church, I'd like to just start off by maybe some of you are in here and you're like, I don't have the ability, I don't have the skill set, the knowledge. I know exactly how you feel because I grew up in a very, very small church. And by small, I mean me and my cousin were the only kids in the youth group. Um, tiny, 50 people, the same 50 people most of my life. Uh, later in life, I got involved in a, in a small country church again and uh, knew nothing about ARC. And yet God began to put a dream in my heart um, as we had moved to San Antonio to partner uh, with an ARC church there. That was our first experience of an ARC church. And uh, still feeling like, okay, I haven't been to seminary. 
Uh, again, I grew up in a small denominational church. I don't know really anyone. I don't have connections. Um, and, and I'm always reminded of a passage in Acts chapter four, where uh, they're talking about, uh, I think it's Peter and John, and they say, uh, these guys, they were ordinary, untrained, unschooled men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus, right? So, so just be with Jesus, right? Maybe you feel like the rest of it, I don't have any of that. Uh, I'm that guy. I really am. And so I always like to say that because I remember sitting in these rooms thinking about, well, I didn't go to Highlands College and I didn't grow up in a mega church. And, and I'm glad if you did. And I, and I hope that my son gets to grow up in a mega church now, right? But um, I didn't have that. And so I oftentimes felt like I didn't have what it took to fulfill the dream that God put in my heart. And I love what Brian was saying. If God gave you the dream, he's going to make it happen. Just be with Jesus. Just be with Jesus, regardless of how much training you've had. So it's really cool how God will use your past as the platform for your future. And so all the past experiences, whether good or bad, um, being in marketing, I didn't like, I worked for a software startup for about 10 years as the director of marketing. And I didn't like working there. I didn't like medical software. It wasn't my dream. I knew something was missing, but all along God was training me. And I wish I would have known that at the time. And so maybe I can encourage some of you where you're at right now, make sure you're allowing God to teach you in the season that you're in because God's setting you up for something greater. And uh, so anyway, that's just kind of the spiritual. After Brian brought his Bible in and stuff, I figured I should throw a scripture out or something. (laughs) Um, Just trying to keep up. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So yeah, we had a large launch team. Um, and, and that was a big part, obviously, of launching large and then building momentum. So we did launch large, but we actually continued to grow. We only had about a, an 18% drop-off from week one to week two. I think we were uh, around 627 on launch day, and then we dropped down to um, five-something. And then the lowest we dropped was 540, and then I think it was week 10 was Easter, and we had 1,127 people. Now, again... I'm telling you that, uh, obviously that's exciting and hopefully that gives you some hope and excitement, but if you don't hit that number, that's okay. But again, I'm telling you, God gave me everything we needed to really accomplish this dream. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Any Pentecostal people in the room? Come on. Somebody want to run the aisles right now? Go ahead. Hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Wayne is my overseer. You know, we got to get that Pentecostal blood going. So um, anyway, I grew up in a church where when I was a teenager, I had these prophecies that were spoken over my life. And and again, it was really hard to believe how that would ever take place. But uh, watching it unfold in my life, it was a little later in my life than I would have expected. Maybe you're in the room today and you're like, well, man, maybe I'm too old for this. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're just right. You're just right. Follow your dream on this. Follow the dream God's put in your heart. Um, so once we launched, we just began to be real strategic about what was next. So in your early phase, I think it's important to understand you're trying to build and paint a picture of a church that does not exist yet, right? You're trying to help people understand a dream that no one can see. You see it, but obviously it's not even gonna probably look the way you expected it to look. So we spent those one-on-one meetings, those startup parties. We were finding environments that matched the culture of the church we wanted to build. We knew the demographic we were after. We wanted to reach a younger demographic. Uh, We don't even say we're trying to be a young church. We're a young-hearted church. So we're happy with 70-year-olds in our church as long as they like loud music, which by the way, I've always been blown away by old people being mad that the music's too loud when they can't hear very well anyway. I don't don't understand that. It's not a knock on it. I'm just like, why why isn't the young people with great hearing that get mad? But somebody can tell me that. Let me know. But uh, so, so we started reaching young-hearted people. So listen, when you start doing your startup parties, make sure your environment is matching your culture. We knew we wanted to reach a younger demographic, so we didn't go do our first startup party in a junior high cafeteria. We did it in a really cool coffee shop, not because we just want to be a cool church, but because we know that's where 20 and 30-year-olds spend a lot of time in our city. So we rented out that, uh, that coffee shop. We wanted people to see that. The building that we're in is a beautiful building. And honestly, my wife and I, when we were trying to determine where God was calling us, we weren't called to a city. We were actually called to a building. We, we saw this building and God told us that was gonna be home. We called the week after, said, hey, we think this is the building we wanna be in. They said, sure, it's $6,200 a weekend. We'd love to get that started for you. Like, okay, that's not gonna work. We moved to the city anyway, Bentonville, Arkansas, home of Walmart, what, what? And uh, we got there, and about two weeks after we got there, I met with them again, and they said, okay, 
You sent us a proposal of $600 a weekend. Uh, we can't do that, but we can meet in the middle. We're like, oh my goodness. And like, so we'll do $700 a weekend. Like, holy cow, I don't know where you went to school for math, but thank you. <laughs> thank you that you went to that school. And so we got our building for $700 a weekend, and it is beautiful. Again, all this stuff is happening. God is opening the doors for us because we said yes to the dream he put in our heart. So we made sure this building matched our culture. A lot of times people say, yeah, we want to reach this demographic or this people or this city. We're in Walmart now. Maybe your Walmarts aren't great, okay? In our city, our Walmarts are great. Our Walmarts are great, right? They just came and visited us and they're like, wow, Walmarts here are nice. Yes, all the executives shop at these Walmarts, so they are pristine. There's, they're 70% of the population in our city works for Walmart or one of the vendors. So there's tons of, of um, ad agencies and branding and marketing. So creative is a big deal in our area. So we couldn't, we couldn't really be in a school. We had to be in a creative-minded area. So I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just trying to help you understand it's the culture you're creating happens even in the environments that you're setting. Environments matter like crazy. Environments matter. Environments matter. So make sure you're having uh, your, your startup parties in places where people can now picture What's church going to look like? Let me tell you a crazy thing. Our first startup party, 115 people came. We could not believe that many people showed up. Never in a million years did we think that would happen. They came. Before Jess and I, my wife, got to get up and tell them about our dream, we had almost half of the people had filled out a card before they had even met me saying, we want to get on the team or we want to learn how to get on the team. It was unbelievable. And looking back on it now, I see that we had a small group of people that were helping us create the environment. People were able to see what church was going to look like before we ever had a church. And that's really challenging to do, but if you can figure out how to do it, you'll start getting way more buy-in early on than having to wait till after. I also tell planners this, it's a magical time because before you launch, people are more willing to get on the team than any other time, any other season, you only get one pre-launch and you only get one launch day. And those are two magical, magical days. If I could go back, I would, if I would have gone, if I could go back right now, I would invest so much more in those seasons. Uh, I know it's a lot of work. Uh, my wife and I, we worked really, really hard leading up to launch. And that's just a season where you're going to have to do that. It's just a season where you're going to have to go really hard. And, and, and the people that aren't willing to do that church grind you're not going to launch large. You got to be willing to work a lot of hours. And I'm not saying get unhealthy. I'm just saying it's a season and it's a season where you got to go hard. So once you launch, now it's about being strategic. Okay. We've got the environment. We've got the culture we're trying to build. We ended up launching with two services right away. And we added a third one on Easter and, um, some, some keys to that. We're simply creating an environment that people wanted to come back to. And here's a great tip for everyone. When you start marketing your church, never overpromise and underdeliver. You can only do that once. You do it one time and they're not coming back. So never say things like it's going to be the greatest Sunday ever. Because let's be honest, it's not going to be the greatest Sunday ever. It should be, you know what, it's going to be the most average Sunday ever because that's likely what it's going to be. It's going to be an average day. So don't say things like our worship is unbelievable if your worship's not amazing. Like, I know to you, it's your baby and you love it, but if it's not great, don't talk about that. So for us, we knew that we were super friendly. In your city, believe it or not, how many of you are already in your city and you're gonna be planning in the next six to nine months? Have you been visiting churches yet? Are you not blown away that churches are just not friendly? I cannot figure that out. It's free. Being friendly is free. You don't have to go buy an LED wall to be friendly. You just show up and you're friendly. Churches aren't friendly. So here's what I would say to you. Find out what you're good at and really focus on that. If your kid's ministry is the best, really focus on that. For us, we were welcoming. We have phrases like, regardless of your past, we want to be part of your future. We have phrases like, we're not like family, we are family. We teach that in the DNA of our church. And because of that, what we had was a great experience on day one, and we continued great experiences going forward. We got better. We had this, this amazing thing that was said to us on day one. We cannot believe this is y'all's first day as a church. 
That's what you need to have a goal of. You don't want people showing up being like, well, it was clearly their first day, right? You don't want that. You want people to show up and be blown away at the experience they had. It doesn't mean it was as good as the mega church down the road. It just means people are like, this was day one? Man, they were so friendly and the kids' check-in was clean and, and everything went smooth. The worship was decent. And, and the pastor, man, he really shared his heart about his city. They clearly love this place. And they're not here for numbers. They're here for people and, and, and continuing that. And I believe if you'll help your people get on board with that, if you'll help your team that's joining you from day one till you launch, help them be that voice, that culture that, hey, we're inviting, give them tools, give them pictures, give them graphs, give them everything they need to be inviting. And man, they will buy in and and word will start to spread. Listen, people are always blown away that we didn't spend a lot of money on marketing. I, I feel like I know a lot about church marketing. We didn't spend much money on it. We spent very little money. Everything we did was mostly organic because we did a great job of, of selling a, not selling, but providing a vision of what our church would look like and people got excited. We sell merch, y'all, in our church like crazy. People buy stuff. We sell out of merch all the time because people are, walk, are living, breathing, walking billboards for us because they love the experience. And our experience is we're friendly and we love people. So what are you gonna be good at? What is it that God put in your heart? Start planning to be that. Don't try to be the best of everything. Find out what you're good at, what your heart is, and go for it. Come on, that was helpful, wasn't it? Hope you're taking notes. Hey, begin your questions together. We're gonna we'll get Travis in here, but I want to he- we want to hear from you, and we're gonna take some time at the end to to get your questions. So start start getting those getting those prepared. Travis, talk to us. You guys are already in your own building. You're one and a half years old. Uh, just kind of talk to us about your your launch experience, what's happened since then, how the building has 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 been a game changer for you guys. Sure, yeah. Um, my name is Travis. I get a chance to be the pastor of Motivation Church in uh, Richmond. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be here at the ARC. And uh, um, I, I can't tell you just how much this um, means to just us, our church, this this network of people. Yeah. I remember coming in, in the ARC training. This one, they had long tables uh, and 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 afterwards, you would go to an intense interview uh, time. I just remember uh, being loved on by all the people, and I, and I see Miss Pam back there, uh, the lady in the red. You know, that's that's going to be the, your favorite person yeah. inside the, the Associated of Relating Churches. Um, um, she's the one to approve the the funds for you guys, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and this is a, a big family, and I tell you what, I remember I I came here. And what ARC did for me it was it expanded my vision beyond my current giftings. Wow, and good. and I, I walked into a, a, uh, a ARC launch training thinking that I was going to launch a church and we're going to start in my two-car garage, you know, uh, because that's in my particular experience, being from an African-American experience, you start small and you build up, you know. And I didn't know that we can start large on day one. And, and what ARC did was it expanded my vision and so we, we launched our, our, our church, and we tried to build a team. And for me, I always knew one of the, the, the stats I heard early on was the, your team, your launch would be, I think, three times the size of your, your launch team. And for me, I realized the number that I wanted, so I, I know I needed to build a large launch team. And so even to this day, you know, I tell my staff and my team, don't tell me how many people came to church or how much money we had on that Sunday. The first thing I want to know about it was how many people were, were signed up on planning center to serve, right? Because what that does is an indicator of your church. And so you can even do the math right now. Like you want to have a large launch, then just think about your dream team being in times that times three, that's probably where you're going to settle down in. And so for me, I realized that early on, I needed to build a large team. Then secondly, I know that I needed to build a large budget. Come on. How many people know it takes money to have, to have church y'all? And, uh, and I think the things that we wanted to do is that we were in a, a older middle school on the south side of Richmond, and uh, the school needed to, we needed to cover every wall. We were in a nice location, and we knew that was the location that God wanted us to be. So we know we had to have a lot, of, a lot of money to create an experience that was going to be life-changing for people. And so we, I remember I asked over 322 pastors uh, for, for money. Um, and I, I sat with over 62 business uh, members. And I heard a lot of no's, everybody. Yeah. And we ended up raising close to $385,000. Um, 
And I tell people all the time, people say, uh, man, how did you deal with all the no's? And early on in our, our fundraising experience, we said to ourselves, my goal wasn't to get people to say yes. My goal was to get to over 500 no's because I knew if I was faithful to ask people and they, I heard no 500 times, I knew that God was going to pour out his blessings yeah, yeah, uh, on our yeah. church. And so we, we, I just asked everybody, and I heard a lot of no's, and, and God ended up blessing us so, so much to the point that six months in into our, our experience where our school came to us and we had put close to $100,000 of uh, install into our school, and we kind of changed their bathrooms. We put the sound system in and all that stuff inside the school in exchange for rent. Well, they came to us four months in and said, hey, uh, we're going to be doing a major HVAC repair, and we're going to need you guys out of here in, in three months. Um, and so we had, we had no idea what we were going to do. And so uh, thank God for proper budgeting and, and doing things the right way and having margin within our budget. Um, there was a building down the street that used to be an old big lots and an old furniture store. Uh, we ended up uh, uh, purchasing, not purchasing, uh, having a long-term lease with that and close to $300,000 and $300, uh, build-out process uh, with that. And we were only six months old, but it was all because the art kind of taught me how to ha have a large team and secondly, have a large budget uh, in that. And so and I just would say all the time that for us, like we're up here and I, I know the title of this session has been uh, Launch Large. And the reason why we want to launch large is because we want to have a large impact in our yeah, community, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not really about having a really cool Instagram photo with a lot yeah, of people yeah, in the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really about making a large impact in your community, yeah, right. right? And so for me, I realized that I needed a large team and I needed a large launch because I wanted to make a large impact in the community, right? And I know I couldn't be small. And the reason why Highlands is able to bless so many people and be such a blessing to around the world, because it's a large church. And the larger your church is, the larger of an impact that you can make in the schools and the homeless and the single moms. And so I know that I needed to work really hard to have a large launch so I can have a large impact. And, and our building has been a huge blessing for us. We doubled uh, as soon as we jumped into our building and God has really blessed us uh, with that. And we're, we're a year and a half old and we're just getting started and, and we're staying hungry. You know, I think this title is this Launch Large and Stay Strong. Yeah. For me, I have... I still have that same hunger to get people on our dream team. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. just as Brad had with, you know, getting people to an interest party. Now my interest parties is every Sunday, and the way I get them connected is through Growth Track, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm staying hungry of building my team. So my, I want to know how many people join our team. And so even for me, when I evaluate my staff or my leaders, I'm not asking them, you know, tell me about this ministry, tell me about the salvations. The salvations are important. I want to know how many leaders is coming through your department. How yeah. many people are joining your dream? team, right? Because that's going to allow us to have a really big launch and stay strong throughout our launch. So Come on, does that not inspire you? Wow. <laughs> then got a big lots. Yes. Hey, I want to just talk to you for a second and before we go to Q&A, a little bit about the thought of how to have continued growth. How do you stay strong on the other side of launch day? Because, you know, you're putting so much effort and energy into launching large. And, and by the way, if you run the play, can I just tell you, you're going to launch large because it works. Amy, can you tell me what the average kind of ballpark is, has been for launches? This is the best Sunday to launch because we run the data and we have the stats. When you follow the play and let us guide you, we saw those launches advertised go upwards of 320. Come on, y'all, 320. It's amazing. Yeah, we don't have to count those. <laughs> we can cut it off. <laughs> wow, three twenty. So let's say you let's say you drop half of that in week two. The attrition rate, your the your bottom at some point is half. Well, that keeps you above that threshold of viability of a hundred. Where if you stay over a hundred, you got a great chance of building a great church and you and God's gonna do something amazing through you. So you wanna do all that you can to play, to plan, to pray, to run the play up front. But then what happens after launch day? Now you got 300 people in the room. Okay, well, you mean Sunday's coming again in seven days? <laughs> Sunday comes every seven days. Listen, do not be in a rush or a hurry to plant your church. Enjoy sleeping in on Sundays. 
if you're not employed somewhere on Sunday, because it's going to happen every, every seven days till Jesus comes back. And guess who's in charge? You are. Praise the Lord. But what happens after that? You know, one of the things that helped us, it saved us. Before we launched, I had the opportunity to, to meet Lane, Lane Schrantz, and I was invited to, to grow. You've heard of grow. I'm not, you know, being paid to sell grow, you know, to you guys. Uh, but I got in, I, I got in that conversation, got, got sponsored to go, and we showed up and it changed everything. Why? Because the systems and structures are huge. You got to have great systems and structures. It's not everything. You got to have great spirit too, though, right? I mean, as you've been hearing up here, but systems and structures. But let me talk to you a little bit about the people you surround yourself with. Because the, <laughs> let me save you. Let me save you some trouble. Because there are going to be people that hear of your church after you launch and they're going to show up be careful of the first five meetings you take because somebody's got an agenda in there and they're going to come in wanting position and power and they're going to be telling you everything you want to hear and man, you're going to be feeling good. You're like, well, can you, you go home? Can you believe who God has sent us? It may not have been God because what can happen is People come in, you appoint them to positions of leadership, and everything under their influence gets tainted. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. So even prior to launch, you better start thinking, who, who's, my, who's my players here? Who can I build with? Who's ma- who, are, who are influencers? Who's got that magnetic personality? And what I did early on, and I kind of veered from the playbook a bit, and, and I, I will give that uh, caveat there, but here's the thing. I didn't put people in leadership, but what I did is I said, hey, I need you to help me with kids. Pastor, I don't like kids. Yeah, but you're great with people. Can you help me for three months? Three months. I'll let you out. Now, don't tell them that and then forget about them. In three years, you see them come out of the nursery and they got goldfish, you know, hanging out of their hair and they hate you at that point. Give you three months. And I picked the best people in our church to start taking some ownership in areas and some have transitioned out of areas because they, they weren't called to that, but they're leaders. And you need a leader on day one. When the check-in system goes down on day one and you had this great plan of how you're going to check in families and then they find internet's down and you're like, well, who's going to fix that? And everybody's looking at you and you're trying to get a message together. You got a leader now in place that can, that can take that heat. You got a leader taking care of setup, takedown. You've got all these teams. Come on, you got all these teams that are going to be formed after day one and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. Who's going to lead those teams? Well, God's going to send them. Yeah, he will. But let me give you a little filter, a little um, profile that we use. Real simple. The first is, is, is this person Jesus-centered? How many of you know it's all about Jesus? I mean, does their life exude that? They love God. They love Jesus. They, 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 they're, they're givers. They love people. Are they a Jesus-centered person? When you think of their name, you think, man, that person loves God. That person loves God. So Jesus-centered, let me give you another one. Are they magnetic? If you're going to put someone in a position of influence, do they have influence? The worst thing you can do is appoint faithful people to positions of leadership just because they're faithful. But if they have no influence and they're not magnetic, then what's the point of putting them in leadership? They'll run everybody off. And I have done that before. Uh, you, know, you put the wrong person in leadership, you wonder what happened to the team. Well, you just got the wrong leader. So are they magnetic? Can they rally your, your people around the vision of the house? Can they get people as excited about it as you can? Start finding those people early on. Start looking for them. Keep you a little list. You don't even got to have a meeting with them yet. Just start, God, show me who these magnetic, these, these people are. Who, who's magnetic? Ownership. Do they have a high level of, of responsibility over what they've been given? Do they own the area? I mean, do they love it? Listen, if you're portable, which we are, but praise God, come January, we are moving into our very own 55,000 square foot facility to God be the glory. Portable's been great, though, and we've been in a great location. But who? But somebody got to push them cases. 
And if you're and, and fellas, if you're making your wife <laughs> push the case, you're gonna be calling somebody for some counseling. Cause she's gonna hate you. Somebody's gotta take care of the kids. You better have somebody in there with that. And don't put your wife in there just because that's like, oh, you're going to take care of the kids. She may not want to do that. She may need to be in there with you. Kara, my wife, is beautiful. She, she makes me so much better. She, she, it, I mean, we make a beautiful couple. She's beautiful. I make it the couple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I want her in the auditorium with me. I don't want her in the kids. Now, every wife's different and everybody's got their own calling. So just find that. But just who's going to lead? Yeah. Got to have ownership. And can I just say something? This can get a little bit. Can I just be real for a second? If you're going to put somebody in leadership, they better be tithing. They better be tithing. Jesus said, if you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, how can you be entrusted true riches? If you can't handle your money, what's the true riches of heaven? It, Jesus came and died for people. So why would I put you in charge of people to manage and lead them if you can't manage and, lead and handle your own money right? So you look at those things. Now, you don't have to broadcast that. But you start looking at it and saying, okay, does that person have a heart for the house? Well, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So do they have ownership maximizer? Can they understand and build value the gifts of the people around them? Can they pull the best out of the team? Because you've got all kinds of personalities. Our church is very diverse. We've got in every way, race, uh, age, socioeconomic levels. It's very diverse. Baytown is a suburb of Houston, and there's a lot of blue-collar workers. There. You've got all kinds of people that come in for jobs because they're good-paying jobs in the oil industry. So, so many different personalities. Who's going, who's know how to, who knows how to pull the best out of everybody? Get the right people around you. If you want to continue to grow, it's going to be because of your leadership development, not just what's happening in a one-hour block on Sunday mornings. You better have people that can run it because you can't do it all. You cannot do it all. Don't even try. Don't even try. Empower people that know how to pull out the best in everyone. And then are they relational? Are they fun? Are they chemistry? Or do they have chemistry? Can they, can the people enjoy being around them? That's just something I thought I'd just bring practically to you. Would that help a little bit? Let's get into some, um, let's get into some questions here. So, uh, I know you got questions. Please do not hesitate and, uh, We'll call on you, and then one of you guys just jump in here, really. Okay, let's go right here. Complete parachute plan, didn't know a single person when I moved there. Venue that I have can seat between, I could, I could make it as tight as 200, 200 seats in Philfall, or I could make it as big as 600 seats in Philfall as chairs mm -hmm. in a middle school. At what point do you start thinking about the possibility of starting with the second service? How do you know when you're ready? I mean, I, I will always recommend two services starting off. I mean, just if you can, like especially in your venue, you can make multi, you can make it full forward with 200. I will, I will, this is the math works out when you have multiple options. It's just better math and better pulls. And some people, like for us, like our 930 service is like, you know, it's not as full. It meets critical mass, um, but it, it attracts a certain type of person who wants to go to church and, and go home and, and watch the, the Redskins lose a whole bunch of games, right? Uh, so, uh, so for me, I, I know that I, I needed that up front. Um, and so I, if you can, we launched in the middle school. Um, and so we had 400, 400 seats. It had, I think, it had 194 parking spots. So I knew that I, I needed two services. And, and you're at 60, and you're on a steamroll. For us, our, our launch team almost doubled from, from four months into it, right? Because it, it, towards the end, right, it, it kind of steamrolls. So you're at a good number. So I, I, I just would, you know, you start doing some more, um, some more interest meetings or interest parties, startup parties. And it, the more you do it, some more dinner parties, you know, taking advantage of summer coming up or whatever. What I would do is that I would plan on having a, a launch team about 120. So you're going to need two services if you could put like maybe 350 in each in each room. But we could talk more afterwards. And you get the serve one, attend one culture started from day one. That's huge. We're going to keep moving here. Great, great answer. When you were talking about even having like strong leaders, yeah. uh, do you guys have a leadership pipeline that you're extremely yeah. into? What does that look like? Yeah, well, we're developing it now through the help of a... Uh, 
you know, Phil Klein, Focus 412, amazing mind leader in the body of Christ has helped us so much. Why that's that that question's a little bit more detailed for time's sake when it comes to just talking. Let's 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 just you know talk here right here offline afterwards, and then um, let's get some more launch related questions in here if we can. Yeah, right back here in the back. Um, so what they look like for us is we wanted it like just so we use the the vocabulary startup party because that's what we wanted it to be we wanted it to be a party celebrating the start of something brand new in our city. And so kind of what we, what we, we had a two hour block, but we made sure that we, that the programming part of it was just an hour. And so our first hour is we would just have people greet people. We had name tags, people greeting kind of some of those like guest experience type teams that that we would have. And that was a launch team that once people got on a launch team, Hey, help us make this environment awesome. And so, and then about 15 minutes into it, I would come up and my wife and I would come up and we would just introduce ourselves, just tell people what this is and what this is not. Um, and so I would tell people that exact sentence right there. It is a startup party, uh, but I would tell them what it is not, that this is not a church service, that this is not us asking money. This is not anything along, like we're just, I'm just trying to think through what are the elephants in the room that I can 15 minutes into it, tell people. And then I would tell people what it's going to look like. Hey, we're just going to literally hang out for the next 30 minutes. And we're, uh, we did ours very similar to like what Brad was talking about in environments that we knew reflected our church. And so we, we would give people permission. Hey, the food, it's free. Hey, the coffee, Go get as many as you want. Take one home and drink it tomorrow. Like it's all on us. You don't have to pay a dollar. And and then I told him, hey, at, at um, we always did it. Forty five minutes into it, we'll come back up and we'll just tell you a little bit more about our story and why we're here and give you an opportunity to take a next step. And so I would just come up and then I would just tell our story and tell people wh- why we're planting a church in in Cincinnati. And then at the end, we had like these connection cards where we would just, and there was three different things that they could check. One was, uh, I'm all in. I'd love to be on the launch team. And that was their way of saying, I'm on this launch team. Second, I'm interested. I'm not quite all the way there, but I always told them, if you check box number two, I'll make sure that if I can personally, over the next few weeks, I'll have coffee with you and tell you more and answer any question that you have about our church. And um, here's the thing. Every person that checked two ended up being on our team that I ended up meeting with. So that's, uh, those two were awesome. And then third was, um, I'm, uh, no, thank you. And I always gave people permission because I told them, I said, maybe you're planted right now in a life-giving church. We want you to stay planted. We did not plant a church for church people. And, and we, we're here to reach people that are far from God. And so we would just tell people those things and then we would end. And like for us, the gold part of it was that last hour that we still had the venue, but we were officially done because then people were way more open and they just wanted to talk and we'd have follow-up conversation and people got to ask some questions that maybe, so that was our format, one hour. Same thing? Yeah, I'll just say one last thing for all of you that are starting startup parties soon. Make sure you spend a lot of time training the team that's going to help you at that. So we were very specific with assignments for people. We actually borrowed people from another church. We obviously got the pastor's permission. I would start there. Um, But we actually borrowed some people because we didn't have enough people yet. So we had people that were outside, and we gave a ticket away, and that ticket gave them a free coffee. We gave them a T-shirt. We gave them as much merch as possible. Really wanted to make it a party. We made sure the playlist was right. But specifically, we had people that their jobs were like, we got the very um, extroverted people to be roamers. Don't let anyone, listen, this is important. Make sure no one is standing in a corner just waiting. 
Everyone should be getting connected. No one should be in, because it's awkward. They're showing up. It's a big deal that they came, because it's weird. If you were in their shoes and you were going to a startup party right now, you'd never heard of this, you know you would feel weird as well. So when they come, having people, their entire job is to connect them to other people. We also had people, their job was simply to go around and take trash, take cups, uh, get them more coffee. Uh, We had a little space for kids. And here's another tip. When you do your kids part, don't just babysit. Do a lesson. Let them go back and tell their parents, hey, by the way, we learned about Jesus. And then the parents are like, oh my goodness, they're already doing this. And this is just a party, right? So that's the only thing I would add on is just making sure your team really knows what they're going to be doing that day. Then follow up that night. I would start sending personal emails and text messages that night. I use something called Calendly, and it's a free app. You can go on and you can set up your time slots in 30 minutes that you're available. Instead of going back and forth, just say, hey, go on Calendly.com, set up a time that we can meet. Here's where. I'll buy your coffee, and they go assign the time slot that works for them. Because, listen, you haven't planted a church yet. You ain't got anything else to do. So you got time, all right? Hey, and just real quick, just to respond to you, um, I, my, and just some, in some cultures, they have the propensity to want to have Bible study or do worship and a launch meetings. And, I, and this is, here's what I told people. If you give me eight months of doing launch, interest meetings, starter party, whatever we want to call them, and I'll give you the rest of my life to be your pastor. We're going to have dynamic worship. I'm going to preach great sermons, right? So just give me eight months of training. Let's get ready. Let's build a culture. And then afterwards, I will give you the rest of my life to give you Bible, whatever you want. When it comes to the Bible, I'll give it to you. So this, that's great advice. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Yes, give them a hand. I just want to take a moment and tell you guys, thank you. You know, the reason why they're on this panel is because all of these guys had amazing launches. Um, But really, we've just seen them not just launch strong and get to that place where they're a self-sustaining church, um, but really see them just continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And they serve church planners. You know, right before the session, Brian just um, pulled me aside and said, hey, I want to keep helping church planners send them my way. And they just launched in September, you guys. Um, And they had over 600 in Cincinnati. They parachuted to Cincinnati. His wife, Heather, is sitting here on the front row. Um, It's just amazing um, how God is using every single one of these um, amazing couples and just their churches. They are such a blessing. Y'all give them another hand for me. Thank you guys so much. I do want to draw your attention to two things. If you are interested in planning a church, even if you think, hey, I'm a few years away from that, I do want to ask you to check out um, either our website, arcchurches.com, and you can click start a church and learn more there. Or you can also go to the conference app, which is in the Arc app. It's in your Android or iPhone app store, and you can click launch a church there. And you can fill out a form, and someone from our team will contact you while you're here at the conference so that we can talk with you about your next steps. So we would love to do that. We'd love to serve you. And we would ultimately love to plant a church with you guys to reach more people for the kingdom because that's what it's all about. And I want to leave you with one final thing. And maybe you're on the fence on what God's doing and what God's call is on your life. But in America, the number one way that people come to Christ is through a brand new church plant. That is God's plan to reach the final harvest in the United States of America. So there may be other ways that God is using things in other parts of the world, but in America, it's through church planting. So God is calling you. We need more laborers. And I don't know what he's specifically doing in your life. But hey, if it's not you, maybe team up with someone else who is, um, because that is how we are bringing in the harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we love you guys. Come talk to us if you have any more questions.